0: nor sorrow nor pain no more crying god is going to wipe away all those tears i'm going to say this i believe as you see what god is going to create in revelation in 21 into chapter 22 you are seeing an incredible cre- recreation of everything follow me better and greater than his first creation you say how can you say that because there will be no devil There will be no temptation. There will be no tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we're never going to experience that again. No one will experience sorrow ever again. Our God has this in His vision, in His mind, in His will as He is created from the very foundation of the world. God says, I have Jesus Christ nailed on a cross. He is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world because God knew man was going to mess it up, so God says, I'm going to fix it up. I'm going to make everything new. I'm going to give them a restored heart. The sin problem, I'm going to correct that. And that's why, even as Christy has said, when we see a loved one who is a believer in Jesus Christ, when they pass away, the righteous has hope in his death. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, no holding tank, no waiting, immediately in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and all other believers. That's what God says. This is his design. Man gets in again and messes everything up. So we start thinking, well, it can't be that simple. It's got to be deeper because God's so deep, so therefore it can't be just simple. Simple. So we talked last week about gappers, you know, thinking the earth is still millions and billions of years old to try to counter Darwinism and a lot of other things. That was dumb because that discredits the word and the authority of the word. And so we walked through how we believe in a young earth and uh, we, we believe it is decaying. Hebrews chapter 1 even talks about that. This earth is like a, like a cloth that's deteriorating. It's getting worse and worse. It's not getting better. God, in His Word, explained all of this. So let's just believe what God said. Stop developing our theories and just believe what God says. And once we have that in our heart, and this will be the conclusion of the message, it then corrects what we do on this earth, how we work, what we do. Everything is changed because we learn in the Word why God created us. Last week we talked about when, Genesis 1, 1-1 through chapter 2, it's six days God created this place. Everything, it's six literal days, not six million years, not, it's six literal days. And you say, how could he do it like that? Well, the same way one day you are going to be translated and then going into heaven someday. I believe that's going to happen. Well, if God can take you to heaven, do you think it's really a big problem for him to create everything from nothing? Hebrews eleven three. 3. Through faith, we understand that the world refrained by the Word of God. The word of God, Jesus Christ, literally spoke into existence all things. Let there be light. And it was there. So God's power made all things. And Revelation 4, 11, we'll talk about this in a moment, begins to... Unfold then Genesis 1 1 and following. Let's go ahead and look at this. We are in the Revelation. Just one verse today, verse 11 of chapter 4. And those who are visiting, we have a bit of a tradition here. And when we read God's Word together at the beginning, we encourage you all to stand if you would do that, please, out of respect of God's Word. Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, Father, as we look at Your Word for a couple of moments, I pray that You'll bless this time. That we, in our hearts, will agree with what Your Word says that we will then allow this Word to penetrate our hearts, that we will then know how we're to serve, how we're to work, our mindset, and especially in the day and age that we live in, that we will indeed put on the Word, that we will place it in our minds, that we will see then through the Word of God as it filters the philosophies of this world, that we will be able to filter it all out, and see truth. And you tell us truth sets us free. It affects us. So, Lord, use your word, and we'll thank you for what you'll do. And I pray these things by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. World view, when, it talk, when we talk about creation and everything that we see in our own selves, basically, man wants to receive glory. We do it for ourselves. We get it for the pat on the back. We get it for the praise of man that we set apart and we're different, we're unique. That's the world view. That everything we do with our jobs, it is so that I can make money, so I can have things that other people only wish they had. That they will be envious of me, that I am am separated from everybody else. I'm greater than. That's man's... View, that's the world view, and we're going to see more of that when we get into Ecclesiastes later on this year. It's so sad that the day and age that we live in is just like what Solomon discovered when he finally had it all. And he says it's all empty, vain, and gives no permanent pleasure. That's why Jesus said, I got a living water for you. That if you take that living water, you're never going to thirst again. It's going to be satisfied. That's what we're getting into a lot this year. It's time for us as Christians to be satisfied. Because the world is not satisfied. Enough is never enough. And so we want to have a biblical worldview. Now, we who believe that God said, let it be, he created all things for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Creation is when we see ourselves, we see our work, we see the world that we live in, the country that we live in, we give God the glory. Job, when uh, finally the opportunity for he and God to talk, as he was saying, God, I just want to talk to you about this. I am innocent. I didn't do this. God goes to him and quickly hushes Job when he says, Job, where were, you? where were you? Where were you when I created all these things? The foundations. He talks about, not only the foundations, but the clouds. He talks about several different things within that text with Job. And that question is, where were you? And in the subject of the foundation, he says, when it is there, who, he says, laid the cornerstone, which is really powerful because the cornerstone is Jesus. And so he says, Where were you? And then he says in Job thirty eight seven, when the morning stars sang together. One reference of music and creation. He says, Where were you? And then he says, Because the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Can you imagine everything coming to life and realizing my first breath? And God gave it to me. Well, God breathed into man life. And he became a living soul because God created him. And he took that first breath and had a full knowledge. Full capacity. No sin. Everything was beautiful and perfect and a fellowship with God. Oh, how they sang... The angelic beings who were created sang because they acknowledge the same thing that we do. The New Testament sheds light on what happened. It's, it's if you will, a progressive revelation of we can see that Colossians then confirms what we know from Genesis. In Colossians, pardon me for reading these for sake of time today, but verse 15 and following. Who, Jesus, is the image of? "...of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, the thought of the resurrection. For by Him, that is Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth." That's Genesis 1-1 again. Okay? Okay? So all things were created, whether they're visible or invisible. Isn't it interesting that God's word knew that there were things created that the naked eye could not see? So science class, you got the microscope, you get to look down, you get to see all of these things that we can't see with our eye. And yet we know even those things didn't just come into existence, but is an incredible design by the designer. And therefore it is. And he says, whether they be thrones, even governments, dominions, principalities, or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Same thought we're going to get into with the revelation. And he, Jesus Christ, is before all things, eternal past. And by him, all things consist. The word consist there means... That they are kept together in their present state, their existence, their order, their arrangement. Everything continues because of His power. So those that believe that God created everything and then He left it to evolve and to change on its own, one verse right there blows that theory away. God is interacting right now with everything that we are on this earth without him we wouldn't be here we couldn't exist without him you say i got a lot of power i got a lot of strength not enough my friend you cannot sustain yourself so god sustains it all there's no other reason why this universe exists outside of this is the will of God, and he created it according to his mind, his design, and his action. There is nothing else then that we could ever look at that could explain the fact that everything is and its order. The world, as they begin to look at this world and it's the... uh, the things that they see, they don't think it's created, they believe it's progressively evolving into to this, that it is basically changing and continuing to evolve, that the world believes that we are here for ourselves. And this is manifested in a lot of different ways. We're going to see down the road, Romans 1, how God tells us that man's tendency is to look at the creation rather than the creator. And they begin to worship the creation rather than the creator. Sadly, that can begin to permeate even the minds of Christians that we begin looking at what we see rather than the one who made it that we begin to see this creation and be almost to a point where we begin to worship it we worship what we see what we own our pets everything is taken over our mindsets i'm on facebook you know when i first started versus now it's like every other thing is about dogs is anybody else seeing this besides me Okay, this morning somebody put on there, you know, here's here's the philosophy behind dogs. If you can't, you know, go out and get one, then you need to foster one. If you do not foster, foster a dog. If you don't foster the dog, then what you have to do is give money so that somebody else can do this. And I'm going through, it's like, we got babies out there that need loving and fostering and everything. And what we have done... We have created an equality from God's creation with man. Ladies and gentlemen, according to Genesis 126, you and I are the only ones that are made in God's image. My dog, Harley, who I love a lot, he's my puppy. He's right there when I'm getting all these notes together. He's just sitting there putting his paw up on me. It's like, hang out with me, hang out with me. Love my dog. He's cool really cool dog. But guess what? When it comes to it, there is nothing that I view on this earth like Him when it comes to man. Everyone here is more important than a dog. Or a horse. Or your rabbit. Or anything else. And I have Christians mad at me when I say that. I, I have Christians and yet, God says in Genesis one twenty six, "Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them therefore have dominion over everything that creeps, everything in the oceans, everything in the river. Everything is ours, and we are to manage those things that God has first created for us. Why were we? Why weren't we created on day one? Because everything that God was creating was for man." So that we then could be here on this earth and we have dominion over these things. And yet we have put the creation above that which is made in the image of God. And I believe that's a bad philosophy. I love my dog Harley, but Jesus didn't die on the cross for him. He came to redeem man. Man, you. And God loves you. You. Now, all of this creation, 2 Corinthians 5, says, this whole creation has always been groaning. It can't wait for Revelation 21. It is waiting for the millennial reign. It is waiting for the curse to be lifted. I get all of that. But when it comes to eternal beings, you and I are the ones that are made in God's image. And He loves you, my friend. And He died on the cross for you. He has made you. He has designed you. And therefore, we see Him uniquely as our Creator. The belief that God created us for Himself changes everything. That's what the Revelation describes. For uh, His own good pleasure, His pleasure, we, everything that is here, were created for Him. The Bible tells us why we are here. We are here to glorify God, we are here to honor God. We are here to recognize we are here because of his mighty power. We are designed and created for his will, according to his will and his desire for us to be here. It changes everything. It changes everything. So I, I, I think we've all seen Christians that are self-centered and everything is revolving around them first and therefore are going to choose Everything from career, their spouse, how many kids are going to have. I mean, they have their whole life planned out and laid out. And never one time said, God, I want to seek your face about it. you know what we've just done? We've taken over God's role. So everything, everything, we should be thinking and, 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 and acknowledging, God, you've created me. Why am I here? You know, everyone is uniquely made by God. There is no one in this room the same. And because of that, God has gifted you uniquely to be able to do something for His glory. So we begin to work. If, if our focus is wrong, what we do or our work will then also be wrong. Uh, did Aba, did any, any of you ever work with a boss's son? Some of you are a boss's son, sorry. But I went, my, my first, uh, right before I went into ministry, um, the, uh, the, the last job that I had when I actually worked for a living was, uh, was, was when uh, I was at a factory. It was the only place that was a union, union, union place. It was the only place that was ever union that I ever worked in. So, so I got it at Hanover Brands Incorporated in Center Hall, still there. And so we did, you know, bird's eye, vegetables and everything like that. And uh, so I needed a job closer to the, to the church I was going to be taking. And so I got this job. And so, um, so of course, the first 30, 30 you know, 31 days is all trial to get you into the, to the union. And, uh, of course, I'm thinking, man, I need this job really, really bad. So I am working my tail off. And so we would take the uh, the toach, you know, we put this little piece of wood in there, we'd tape it on there, take it over and weigh it out, and then take it to the guys to fill up. So that was my job. It was really tough. That's what I did. And so this other guy, that younger person, was hired, same day, And uh, he was the supervisor's, uh, uh, excuse me, the supervisor was his uncle, so he's the nephew here. And so he kept on telling me, by the way, my my uncle is a supervisor. Uh, If he told me that ten times a day, you know, he's a supervisor. This is in his brain. So it was about the second day, because we were supposed to each do it, take it over. And eventually, I noticed, because we had to drag drag these over to get weighed, and I noticed after a little bit, he drug one over, and he just stood there. And he was waiting for me to make and put the toast together. And I would drag him over, and he would weigh them. And so he cut out, basically, the work. Because he's the supervisor's nephew. So... He was going to be running the place before long, if you're following me. And he was, he was an arrogant little guy. And now, I'm probably ten years older than him at the time, maybe maybe, uh, maybe eight years older than him. I didn't say a word. I'm like, fine. And I'm sweating, and I'm ripping into it. And eventually, he's standing over there leaning and saying, come on, you need to hurry up a little bit. Well, the supervisors are actually kind of peeking around the corner. He didn't know it. And I kept on doing this. Eventually, the supervisor came up to him and said, by the way, you are not supposed to be standing here. You are supposed to be doing what Carl is doing and doing the exact same thing. He got reprimanded. It's amazing how when we see ourselves, who we are, it will affect what we do. I looked at myself as, I need this job he saw himself as, I'm sure in. i got a relative. I know a guy. Guess what happened after day 30? He got fired, and he was out. And the supervisor came to me and said, um, hey, Carl, I'd like for you to consider something. He goes, we could really use a little help. Now, I, didn't know that, I didn't know what was going on. And he said, I could use a little help going between the guys and the supervisors, and so we don't have to keep coming back and forth. And he said, Would you consider doing this? I'm like, sure, whatever you need me to do. I had no idea. There were guys there for twenty five years that wanted that job. Day thirty one, I became the lead man (laughs) over guys that were there twenty plus years. They hated my guts. Wouldn't talk to me. It was interesting when I told them what to do, they said, I don't care who you are, I ain't listening to you. And they would, they wouldn't even do what I'm telling them to do. I'm like, okay, supervisors would come over and say, if Carl tells you to do this, you're going to do it. I'm sitting back here thinking, wow, this is really interesting. I say that to help us realize if we see ourselves as created by God and we are here to serve Him. We are stewards. We see everything different. We work humbly before our God instead of thinking, I deserve everything. Is that helping our generation? It's a mindset. So everybody is like, well, of course I'm going to get the best. Of course I'm going to get this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened to working? Working on up. And so what I have seen is God tells us Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and He shall exalt you in due season, right time, not early, not late. God's timing. And so we work hard. We see everything as I'm here. God is going to be glorified in my work. God is going to be glorified in my home. God is going to be first and glorified in everything I do. First Corinthians 10 tells us. Whether therefore you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Knowing why we are here changes what we do, how we do it. We always have God in our mind. And that He is doing it, helping us to be able to do it. And it is all for God's glory. So I close with this question, why? Since God is to be glorified... Since God is the one that has the power, since we are to honor Him, why then do we as Christians many times do it our own way? If we know this in our mind, why do we do things in our own strength? I can do all things through. He's one that strengthens me. I can't do what I'm doing this morning. Just one-on-one, going up here and stand and look that way. How about it? You guys, it's it's kind of intimidating being up here hoping you don't get a frog in your throat while you're singing, you know? This is like really intimidating up here. This was not my first option when I was thinking job career. But I can do all things through Christ because Christ strengthens. And no matter what burden you have, it is God's strength. So why do we do it in our own strength? And why, last of all, do we do it for our own glory? Why are we always thinking, I want people to see me? I want the attention. I want the center. I want the light on me. When realistically, folks, we know God is the one to be glorified in our lives. But we struggle with it. Why? Sin. Sin tends towards pride, selfishness, my way. I know what the Bible says, but I got a better way than God. Let me know how that works out for you. I'll see you in my office. It doesn't work. it doesn't work. We know the answers. We know the answers. We know exactly how we're supposed to do it. We have it all right here, but putting it into practice is so hard. It's interesting for pastors. He says not being a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he falls into the condemnation of the devil. He says, no, no, no. You better have some experience. You better not go in there too young because you know what's going to happen as soon as people come up and say, you're the best pastor I've ever heard. You are just amazing. You just capture my attention. And you're thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, God's, God's glad I'm on his side. How did they ever do it without me? I'm the man. And then we fall flat on our faces because we listen to our messages every once in a while and we're like, oh, you poor people, listening, listening to that. We have to laugh at ourselves and realize we're nothing. God says we're nothing but a bunch of dirt put together by him and God breathes into his nostrils a breath of life. We're a bunch of dirt. That's all we are. Everything I am is because of God. Everything that I will be is because of God. For me to get to heaven is going to be because of God. Jesus died for me. Therefore, I am saved because I believed in him at 19 years old. God gets the glory. And we have that in our focus. When the problems start coming our way, we will not do it our way. We're not going to do it our own strength. We're going to say, God, I don't want the glory. I want you to be glorified in it all. Everything changes so whether it's successful or fails, it doesn't matter because we had the purpose, we had the reason focused. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. Father, we thank You for the time. Thank You for Your Word. I don't know the hearts here you do. But Lord, there might be some here that really have been doing it their own way instead of Your way. They've been doing it their own strength Instead of your strength. And they might even be trying to work themselves into heaven their own way. And we believe in your word that you have clearly taught us. It is not by works of righteousness which we have done. But it is according to your mercy that you save us. So Lord, search our hearts. Know the inside of us. And right now we open up and yield ourselves to you. That you're going to work. And every individual, none of us are above this, including myself. And I pray that this invitation will be meaningful to each one. Both heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment, my friend. See, Carl, I really have been doing this my own way. I've been going to church because, you know, I go to church is what I do, but I have I've never really been saved, been born again. I it's it's you know, it's a religion to me. And I'm realizing I've been doing it my way. And I know right now, in my mind and heart, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me to do the work for me so that I could be forgiven of my sin. He rose from the dead. Three days later, through power and might, to prove He is the Messiah, to conquer what sin brought, and that was death, and He brought in life. That's what Jesus Christ has done for you. You see, by faith, you believe that Jesus died and rose again for you. That's what is called the gospel, the good news. If you believe in your heart and call on Jesus Christ to save you from your sin, your personal sin, he will save you. Now, my friend, I want to be really clear. I'm not talking about just praying a prayer. A lot of people do that. I'm talking about the prayer. Where you come to God one-on-one and say, God, I am a sinner in your sight. I cannot save myself. I believe Jesus did the work for me. I believe in Him as my Savior. I believe He rose again three days later for me. I call on you to save me. That's what I'm talking about. We call it the sinner's prayer. That you are honest with God. And you say, but I've been raised in a Christian home. I've always gone to church. God is not impressed with that. What God is impressed with is faith. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do, you will be delivered or saved. If you pray and call on Him right now, He'll save you right where you're at. Just invite Christ in. You can say something like this, Dear God, I know that in Your sight I am that sinner. And I do believe You sent Your Son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. He did the work for me, and I thank You. I believe powerfully You rose again from the dead three days later for me. Now, Lord, save me. Give me that eternal life. And from this day forward, may I serve you with my whole heart. May I put you first in my choices. May I do it your way and your strength for your glory. If you prayed something like that, I really rejoice with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed of it. You let someone know of that decision.